welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us today. Today, we're going to talk about the industrial real estate market in the U.S. Please welcome my first guest. It's Renee Sirk. He's Director of Research with PPR, a co-star company. Renee, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Always fun to be here. Well, we appreciate it. And let's talk about the 2014 performance uh, to get us started. It, it seemed like the uh, industrial industry really ramped up. How did, uh, how did it perform in 2014? You know, 2014 was actually, a, I would say, an interesting year. Uh, on the one hand, the market truly could not be healthier. Uh, we tracked the investable market, the non-manufacturing market, and vacancies in that market contracted by 60 basis points to 6.8 percentage points. So this is an extremely healthy reading, a reading we haven't seen for at least 15 years. It's just all good. Now, the, the interesting part comes in on the demand side. The demand was actually just okay. In fact, year-over-year year, demand was down about 3%. It came to about 159 million square feet. Now, this is very important because I don't want your listeners to read this into it as there was actually something bad happening in the market or there was some sort of a weakness in the market. That's not the case at all. In fact, what we are starting to see is that there just isn't enough quality vacant space on the market. In fact, there's so little of it that if we had two strong quarters, all of it could, could be absorbed. And so we believe that that is actually what is held, holding back demand. So it's not a weakness, it's the availability of space. And to prove this to you, how about throw out some, some red cross numbers? Last year we saw rent cost in industrial at 4.7%. A, that's extremely strong, but B, even more interestingly, that beat out the office market by 100 basis points and the apartment market by 150 basis points. And you just don't see this every day. Oh, that's fantastic. So I guess the industrial market is the, the sexy sector right now. And, and you talked about uh, the demand for space and there not being enough space out there. So where are we on new supplies as construction starting to ramp up? So that's a, a story of two, two segments. Uh, overall, construction is still relatively weak. I mean, what we delivered last year, just over 100 million square feet, is about 80 million square feet less than what the vacancies that I just mentioned could actually justify. So from that perspective, it's not really strong. Now, if you take the market and you try to look at it from two different perspectives, there is the, there is the um, logistics segment. There, the construction is a lot closer to what it sort of could be or should be. Uh, at the end of last quarter, we saw about 116 million square feet uh, under construction, and that's maybe five, six million short to what we were seeing in 2005, six, seven. So that's actually pretty good reading. All of that shortage comes in that light industrial segment. There, it's literally we are delivering one, two million square feet per quarter. It's, we are at least 40, 50 million square feet short. And that is the market that has still needed a little bit of recovery to see more of the construction because rents were depressed and price per pound was depressed. But the way we are looking at it now, by the end of this year, we, and this year, I mean actually 2015, by the end of this year, we'll start those numbers turning around and that construction is picking up as well. We're talking with Renee Sirk with CoStar about the industrial market. And Renee, this demand uh, from these tenants and this absorption, is it uh, mainly in the larger users or is it mid-sized users or is it, a, is it a mixed bag? Where are these tenants coming from? 
So from that perspective, it has finally, in 2014, it's been a story pretty much most of the year, but it's finally shifted to the smaller tenants. So the big tenants are still doing okay. If you look at demand from a geographic perspective, the market you would expect, Inland Empire, Atlanta, Dallas, and Chicago, in fact, in that order, they came in last year. So the big boxes are healthy. They are doing well. But what gives me most comfort is the fact that the smaller tenants, the light industrial banks, are now seeing actually greater um, velocity than we are seeing in the in the bigger segment. And the reason why I like that is because if you think about who those tenants are, it's the housing sector, it's the manufacturers, it's the mom and pop, it's the local economy. And those companies, they don't have international exposure, they don't have huge lines of credit. If they are taking space, if they are growing, that's actually really good for the U.S. economy. That really gives me comfort thinking 2015 will actually be a good year because the growth is strong and the growth is widespread. Yeah, I mean, I feel better just sitting here at the moment hearing that. You know, <laughs> that is good news. Well, what about 2015? What's in store for rates and absorption and vacancy? What do you think is going to happen? Well, we feel that 2015 is going to be sort of a transition year. Uh, we've seen 15, 16 consecutive quarters of uh, improving occupancies and decre- decreasing vacancies. This year, we are forecasting only about 20 basis points decline in vacancies. Uh, and by the end of the year, we do expect that that construction will come back and will start to slowly outpace demand. But once again, now we are talking vacancies. Uh, you know, it's closer to six and a half percent for the overall market, and maybe seven and a half percent for the logistics market, which is very, very healthy. So that's really not a problem. Now, in terms of rent growth, we do expect it to be a little bit slower than last year, only because last year was just too strong. We are forecasting a little over three percent rent growth, which is still at least hundred basis points stronger than inflation, maybe hundred and fifty. And as much as three times the long-term trend line of rent, or the long-term trend growth of rent in, in industrial. So still still a good year, but I would say that uh, the party is maybe not over, but it's going to turn into work. Okay. So 3% is what you said, right? 3% of rent. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, great. Is there, is there more demand and expectations for growth in the industrial market in certain sectors or in certain geographics of the U.S.? Where are the opportunities? Well... We definitely expect that the, the, the logical places will, will do well. There are, two, there are two interesting areas. One is on the positive side, one is on the negative side. On the positive side, we are seeing a lot of interest in, in the Pennsylvania corridor. Um, as, as that consumption zone continues to be strong and more containers come that way, Lehigh Valley, Harrisburg, that is actually, those types of markets where we do see a lot of construction. Uh, but it is very justified. They are playing the big box market. It, it, it's a great idea. On the, on the negative side of the equation is, is Houston. We are getting very concerned about Houston. Uh, as you very well know, the oil prices are down 50%. And the biggest concern there is that we don't necessarily expect demand to turn negative. We expect it to be more flattish, uh, if that's the word, this year. But the problem is that developers are building as if that GMP was running at 6% growth rate, which we saw over the last couple of years, and we expect it to be locked closer to zero to one percent. And so that market is getting overbuilt, and there, there is going to, it's going to be one definitely to watch for 2015. Okay, and let's jump to investment sales. What is this robust industrial market doing for cap rates? What are trends there in the industrial sector? 
Well, capital is flowing. At least 10% year over year up last year. So that has definitely continued to have a lower lowering pressure on cap rates. Uh, the best cap rates are now, we've been seeing sub four cap rates before industrial. It's just, just unbelievable. <laughs> and we don't really expect this to change. Uh, if you think about spreads and if you think about the world as a whole, there are a lot of places where large institutions can place their capital. So commercial real estate in general in the U.S. and industrial uh, specifically, very, very, uh, very, very healthy. So we expect cap rates to remain at these levels. Now, what we do see, though, is we do see capital flowing into secondary and treasury markets, and we do see a lot more capital flowing into the light industrial segment. So so I'm not convinced yet that that's uh, a choice. I'm more think, thinking right now that that's a necessity. There just aren't a lot of sellers, and since there isn't a lot of construction, we are missing at least 10 percentage points of sales volume because those buildings don't exist. They were not built. So investors are being pushed a little bit out on the risk spectrum, and we'll definitely continue more of that in 2015. Yeah, and that makes sense, and I guess that's part of what's driving down these cap rates. Well, Renee, what in the numbers might surprise people about the industrial market today? Well, I mean, there isn't one single surprise. I mean, it's just extremely healthy. If you look at the logistics segment, uh, vacancies right now are 120 basis points, 120 basis points below where they were at the best reading of the last entire cycle. So this, this slow growth has actually been extremely healthy for industrial, essentially for all commercial uh, asset classes. And, uh, and that has made industrial a very desirable class. I mean, what we are really seeing out there is that there are more and more investors telling us that they are under allocated to investment. And we are starting to see foreign capital, think of that uh, in-store transaction, All right. flowing into industrial. And that's really not something that happened uh, the last cycle at all. That's good news, Renee. Thanks for joining us. For more from Renee, visit CoStar.com. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the industrial real estate market in the U.S. and industrial users. Now we're going to talk about REITs. You know, REITs are a great way to invest in real estate, and uh, we certainly work with REITs a lot in the commercial real estate industry. Please welcome my guest, Stephen Marks. He's managing director with Fitch Ratings. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Michael, thank you very much for having me. And Stephen, get us started. How did industrial REITs perform in 2014, say compared to other REITs and also compared to the market in general? Sure. Uh, not, sh- short, short answer is, is, is not that well on a relative basis. They were, from a total return standpoint, industrial REITs were, were laggards in 2014. They returned 17%. Uh, that compares to 30% for the overall U.S. REIT sector, and that 17% compares to about 14% for the S&P 500 during, during uh, 014. And, and the underperformance was due primarily to, to supply concerns, particularly early in the year. Okay, so they beat the market. But they, well, they beat the market. They beat, yeah. Right. They beat the overall S&P yeah. market, but they, they dramatically underperformed the, the broader REIT sector. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So what's Fitch Ratings' outlook for industrial REITs moving forward? 
Sure, sure. And, and uh, you know, we, we look at things from the credit perspective, and so, so w- which may differ from how folks think about it from an equity standpoint. But in general, we, we have a positive outlook for the sector heading into 015, driven by a couple of things. Um, one is favorable property fundamentals, and the second thing is, is improving liquidity and, and what we view is, is pretty strong balance sheet management. From a fundamental standpoint, we think absorption is going to outpace completions, and that should result in, in pretty good fundamentals, especially as it relates to occupancies, leasing spreads, same-store NLI growth. We think all those are going are to stay on a, a, nice, a nice positive trajectory. The one risk we see is, uh, is spec development, um, which, which has cropped up in the sector uh, at given different points in time. Okay, so if your outlook does include possibly an increase in the property values of these industrial properties that the re- these REITs own? Yeah, yeah, in general. Uh, we think that uh, there will be continued cap rate compression and, uh, and growth in underlying cash flows. And as long as, as, long as uh, cash flows, cash flows uh, do increase and cap rates continue to go down or even stay the same, then, then values will increase. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what should investors think about when investing in REITs and industrial REITs today? A couple things. Um, some of the major themes is that, and we spoke about that in terms of spec development, but development cycles in industrial are really short for this asset class, given that a property can be built so quickly. So uh, supply it, looking at supply estimates by looking at permitting trends, which is typically a useful tool for other commercial real estate classes, may not be as useful uh, for this asset class. And then and then second, and related to that, despite the short development cycles, we have seen the supply-demand balance get out of, get out of sync in, in certain points in time. Okay. And are some of these industrial REITs more in tune to, to not doing development and some more uh, inclined to do development? And does that adjust uh, maybe the ratings on, on various REITs? That, that's actually a good question, Mike. And, and, and it's true. Uh, the, the, the publicly traded industrial REITs do, do cover the spectrum of some have fairly substantial development pipelines and, and legitimate platforms that they view as almost separate segments of their business, and others are more buy and hold and, and don't want to develop and don't want to take up the take the leasing risk or um, or or some of the the other risks, development risks and cost risks of development. And then and then naturally there are other companies that are sort of in the middle. And so it so it is one of those sectors where uh, kind of different from a lot of a lot of other REIT sectors where. Um, some companies just, just have development capabilities and want to do it, and they think it's a meaningful part of their business, and others don't want to touch it at all. Okay. And we're talking with Stephen Marks with Fitch Ratings about the industrial real estate market. And what about manufacturing, Stephen? Are companies bringing manufacturing back to the U.S.? Is it really happening? It's happening in bits and pieces, and it really depends on, on the sector and the location. Um, you know, we, we, have seen, we have seen certain types of manufacturing uh, increase, particularly in the Midwest. Uh, but by and large, for sure, China is going to, to always go. It's always going to remain a risk in terms of in terms of manufacturing and cost. But we have seen a, on the margin uh, an increase in, in manufacturing volume and, and, and more onshoring back uh, back on U.S. soil. Okay, and you mentioned China. How might global economic factors impact the U.S. industrial REIT market moving forward? Well, more than any other sector, because industrial is an economically levered property type, which means that it's tied much more closely than other sectors to the broader economic growth trends. And Fitch is projecting, and, and to that point, Fitch is projecting GDP growth of roughly 3% in 015 and another 3% in 016, which should support uh, good fundamentals in the sector. You know, are you seeing more companies that are starting to feel confident about uh, the economy and are starting to, to hire more people and, and develop uh, more properties and, 
and uh, grow? More so on the we're seeing that more so on the tenant side than mm-hmm. we are specifically on the on the REITs or on the developer side. I mean, certainly it's, it is a symbiotic relationship. The, the industrial REITs are there to serve their tenants, and typically that could be either locally or globally, and, we, and there are REITs that focus more on a local basis and, and a handful that do focus more globally. But it really depends on, on uh, kind of tenant confidence and, and, um, and ultimately economic confidence. And, and like I say, because, because industrial is so economically levered, uh, any sort of consumer confidence and then uh, developer or, or commercial business confidence is going to result in, in better fundamentals for industrial. Right. Yeah, we seem to um, see more confidence in some of the tenants that we're working with, and, uh, you know, it's a good sign. But, uh, Stephen, what else might impact the industrial sector moving forward? A couple of things. Uh, I mean, like, like anything in commercial real estate, location is critical. So you look at Dallas and Houston, and they, they've certainly been in the news more so in the last month, just given what's been happening with energy prices, um, but it does take a while for these sort of um, macro fundamentals to have an impact on commercial real estate. That there may be reduced demand for space, uh, given some potential employment pullback in those markets, uh, and certainly less capital deployment generally uh, in Texas, which which can could have a dampening effect on on commercial real estate and specifically industrial fundamentals. Okay, and can you provide us any tips for our listeners and viewers? related to the industrial market, maybe to the tenants or maybe to investors or, or uh, REITs or bankers? Uh, about a tip related to the sector? Yeah, I'd say generally, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, there are macro factors and micro factors, uh, but, but more so the sector is, is, is impacted by macro. So to the extent that, that the U.S. labor market is improving generally, um, the pullback in energy prices, while bad for specific markets, certainly in Texas, um, is good for the consumer. Um, a strong U.S. dollar, all of those things put the U.S. economy on a good trajectory that should benefit the supply chain, um, and, and the e-commerce trend is, is certainly not slowing down. All these things are positive for industrial, and so uh, not necessarily a tip, but more just an observation that, that this sector seems to be pretty well poised as long as supply can stay in track to, to have pretty good performance. And you mentioned the e-commerce trend, and obviously that's affecting retail and industrial, I guess, more than other sectors. And so how do you expect that to impact uh, both those sectors moving forward and the, and the REITs? Well, retail, it, it, is, it can be tricky because it depends on, on the nature of the retail. If it's the bricks-and-mortar space, that, that's certainly uh, a place within retail that's, that's certainly much more under pressure, uh, given, given e-commerce and, and even segments within the bricks and mortar, whether, whether it be books, electronics, things like that, that are that are I- more easily intermediated by e-commerce, uh, could be more problematic. But but other uh, other sectors, and certainly look at a company like Amazon or any e-commerce business, they're going to benefit from, uh, or I should say, industrial will benefit from growth in, in those online businesses, just given that there's no there's no physical presence really for those for those businesses, and so. Um, it really does depend. Uh, the symbiotic relationship does exist, and, and industrial can take advantage of it if uh, if you're located in good places where um, where uh, you know e-commerce is strong. Great, Stephen. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Michael, thank you very much. We'll have more on the industrial market. We'll be right back. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. 
Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking about the industrial real estate market. And, you know, we've heard from the analysts. Now, let's talk to a developer, a builder, an owner of industrial real estate property. Please welcome Larry Callahan. He's CEO of Patillo Industrial Real Estate. Larry, thanks for joining us in Studio One this morning. Thank you, Michael. Enjoy we, being here. Well, we appreciate it. And like I said, we've heard from the analyst, and um, they're looking, I guess, sort of the past and the current numbers. But but you're talking with the tenants. You guys are on the front line talking to the tenants. What do you see? What do you think is we're going to see moving forward in the industrial real estate market from your perspective? Well, I think I'm going to be your most optimistic guest of the day <laughs> um, because uh, maybe that's one of the reasons that I'm a, a developer rather than an economist. But mm. you know, generally, uh, I listen to the same data that we were listening to earlier. And if you listen, you know, we're, we were hearing low vacancy numbers. I mean, numbers that are better than they were in the last uh, big up cycle. Uh, that's a good signal to us. And, you know, we're talking to tenants. The reason the vacancies are low is that um, – people need more space than they have. Uh, the economy has continued to grow. It's been growing at a slow pace, but it's been continuing to grow. And that's a very positive thing. And it leads to uh, a point in time where uh, you have relatively little space out there uh, for the next deal that comes along, whether it's a foreign investor or vo a foreign company coming in, getting ready to build here and expand their presence, or a U.S. company that's uh, reorienting their supply chain, whatever it might be, there's relatively little out there at that point. And that's actually music to the ears of a, of a developer. Uh, I am talking to a lot of other developers who are seeing the same thing. And, you know, in most strong markets, and all markets aren't the same, but in most strong markets in the United States, what you're seeing is either a wave of speculative development or a wave of it being planned. And I, I see a strong market developing. So you're seeing a lot of confidence in these companies and these tenants you're talking to, and uh, they're making a lot of plans right now with, with, with developers like you to, to expand and create more jobs and gain grow? I, I do. Um, I don't want anybody to think that it's like uh, this has been more of a tortoise economy than a, than a hair economy. Mm -hmm. We're not exploding, you know, growing at 7 or 8% like mm -hmm. China is. Uh, but what we are doing is continuing to grow at a steady pace mm -hmm. and absorbing what is in the market. And the only way that we can move forward, uh, I think it was one of your guests was saying we got a supply constraint mm -hmm. that's starting to, uh, to creep into many markets. Well, the way you address that is you start building new things. Mm -hmm. So uh, real estate developers can sometimes build the wrong thing or too much of the right thing. Uh, but I think everybody has been through the experience of the downturn and come out uh, maybe a little wiser um, and people are being very thoughtful about what it is that they're building and the market is clearly calling for new product in a lot of uh, uh, segments of the market. And where are you seeing a new spec development right now and, and are you guys building spec? Um, uh, I am seeing it uh, in most of the major markets, the major distribution markets are you know from Los Angeles, Chicago, uh, Dallas, uh, Atlanta, you know, those markets are all um, feeling strength and improving uh, and, and confidence is, is returning, uh, both to the people that like to build, like developers, and to the people that supply money to them. Uh, so I, th I think we're, we're seeing uh, strength all over uh, in, in that regard. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic about, um, you know, a lot of markets. Um, as we're as we're going into 2015, and yes, uh, to the question, we are building speculatively. Uh, we've actually built speculative buildings for the last couple of years, uh, and 
you know, we built some in, um, in the Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina area and moved the building before we even got the foundations in uh, to, a, to a good user who is now talking to us about expansion. So, you know, we're, we're seeing it. It's not, um, you know, I'm not telling the, the whole world to run out and build, you know, 100 million <laughs> square feet of space in a market that only has 100 million square feet. Um, but we're, we've been through an extended period where we've been undersupplying uh, new space. Uh, the downturn hurt a lot of people and made, uh, made a lot of people cautious, and there's residual effects of that. Um, and what we're seeing is a slowness now to, to jump on the opportunity. And, you know, we, we think that now is the moment to start, uh, start providing new product. And the capital's there, right? Uh, you mentioned that uh, lenders are confident and, and they're out supplying cash to uh, help all this growth happen. Well, there's, there's a lot of sources of money, uh, equity money and, mm-hmm. and debt money, but... Um, you know, th- pause and talk about banks for a second. Um, you know, banks went through a very difficult downturn, and you know what is on a bank's balance sheet is, uh, you know, loans. And if they went through a difficult period, they tried to collect on those loans. They collected on those loans. They built up cash, and now how does a bank make money? Well, they make reasonable loans to reasonable people, and uh, they're sending those signals to our tenants. Um, who are seeing opportunity and are willing to uh, willing to grow, and the capital is available to them. So it's not just uh, from the real estate side of things; it's from the, uh, the the customers. They're positioned to grow. Okay, well, fantastic. Well, stay with us. We'll have more on the industrial real estate market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Boyle. We're talking to Larry Callahan with Patillo about the industrial real estate market. And Larry, again, you're, you're firsthand. You're talking to these tenants. You're seeing the market every day. What are some trends you're seeing on lease rates and, and lease terms today? Well, first of all, I'd have to say as a developer, we love uh, our tenants and our customers. Um, but I will say that uh, one of the things that has happened here in the last couple of years is we've been in a market that has been for a long time very much a buyer's market there was a lot of available space and that created an atmosphere that was um, you know, easy for a tenant to get a lot of concessions and a lot of flexibility uh, in their deal um, there's still a lot of people that are very interested in doing business with any you know real deal that's out there but this market is shifting as we get into tighter um, you know, lower vacancies and uh, the demand is exceeding the, the supply, that shifts the strength of the negotiation a little bit back more toward the, uh, the um, developer. So we are seeing fewer concessions being granted. We're seeing an increase in rental rates. Uh, we're roughly at the point now in many markets where the rates are back to where they were before the downturn, and they dropped significantly uh, when the downturn happened in you know, 08, 09, um, you, you were seeing a lot of markets where the going rental rate was dropping 20, 25 percent. Wow. Um, but things have just slowly worked their way back up. And, uh, you know, we're at the point where in most markets you're back at a rental rate uh, that's similar to what it was before the downturn. In some markets, it's already above it. In the Texas markets, I think you're seeing some numbers above it. Uh, a number of other markets are, are that way. Um, and we're, we're at the point now where we don't... Um, 
Uh, we don't see as many uh, concessions as far as pre-rent is concerned. We don't see as many concessions as far as the um, uh, uh, termination options, um, you know, things of that nature, which were fairly common during the downturn because everybody was cautious. Uh, and at least part of the reason you're not seeing as much of that is the companies simply have more confidence in the future, and they're wanting to go ahead and lock in a rate now, um, in part because if they're really savvy, the factors that are in play right now are pointing toward a market where rental rates will be higher in the future. So you're really wise to go ahead and lock in you know, a, uh, a good rate today compared to a rate that's likely to go up in the future. I agree with that, and I think in most commercial real estate sectors today, uh, that could be the case, or at least in most markets. I think tenants should look to uh, lock in long-term leases if they can. And you talked about rate growth. You're getting rents that are back uh, prior recession rates. And is that how does that impacting new construction today? I guess new construction costs are, are going up. How does that how's that working for you? Well, you know, one of the reasons, and there was a couple of segments earlier, you were um, talking about a lack of supply. Uh, in many markets, one of the reasons there was a lack of supply was that the prevailing uh, rental rates didn't justify building at the cost that, that, that exists today. Um, so even through the downturn, a whole bunch of things turned, town, uh, turned down, but the uh, cost of construction wasn't one of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a brief moment for a year or so, maybe. Uh, there, there were a lot of supply, and but you know things were being built in China, and demand for concrete and steel and whatnot uh, stayed up, and uh, we, we simply are seeing increases in construction costs to the point where um, the prevailing interest rates in a lot of market weren't justifying new supply. Well, that sets the stage for the prevailing rate to go up because when if you want the new building, it's going to have to be at a rental rate that is a reasonable return for the person that takes a risk and builds a building. All right. And, uh, Larry, you talk to and see a lot of tenants that are in the market. And if you will, um, let's provide these tenants some advice. So they're looking to grow their business. They're looking for new locations. They're scouting sites. What are some tips? What are some best practices that you've seen work well for these tenants in the process? Well, start early uh, mm-hmm. is, is the first thing, and get, get good advice uh, as you're you know, trying to move into a new area, a new facility. Uh, there are uh, some great uh, brokerage firms. Uh, I'm sure you know, know some. Yes, thank yourself. you. Yeah. Yes, uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's what you need is you need, you need advice as you're, you're trying to do this. Uh, find people that you can trust, bet on communities uh, that uh, give you the clear signal that they want you to be there and and do that early in the process uh, I can't tell you how often we talk to people and by the time you know they're they're finally meeting us they're way behind in the process mm-hmm. and and then they in turn put that pressure on us to try to build a building that you know takes you know seven or eight months to build they want it built in three <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know we try our dead level best but um, you know, it, it's important to start early, uh, start making commitments as to where you want to be, and then work your way through that process as early as possible. Um, and also, if you're going to move into an existing space, uh, after, you know, five or six years where there was a lot of supply on the market, um, there's a tendency to assume that whatever you want is going to be there. Mm-hmm. And that was the case for five or six years. I mean, we all are, you know, humans learn from their personal experience. and. There was a lot of signs up and a lot of space, but look around and check again, and you're going to find that a lot of markets have tightened up. You know, when you start getting um, 
vacancy rates in the 6% range, they're just particularly the type of space that you're looking for just may not be available right now. Yeah. So again, I think that points toward a need to provide new supply, and I think developers are all gearing up to do that. The ones that I know are all talking about that or actually doing it. Yeah. And if you want to see an example of a place where a lot of it has happened, you know, go to Dallas. Mm-hmm. They got 20 million square feet of industrial buildings up right now, mostly big box, and they're ready to go. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think that's great advice as a number one tip for tenants in every sector is to start soon. I think, you know, when they uh, are busy in their business and they're good, successful business leaders, and uh, they don't realize how long the process can take to negotiate a lease and build a building and get your permits, and it can take a lot longer than they think. Well, stay tuned. We're going to talk about the investment market. The industrial investment market has certainly been hot with cap rates compressing. We'll be right back. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Stay with us. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. We're talking with Larry Callahan, CEO of Patillo Industrial Real Estate, about the industrial real estate market. And Larry, let's talk about the investment market. You own a lot of properties. You're also out there looking to acquire properties. Uh, what are you seeing in the investment market as far as cap rates and demand? Well, there's tremendous demand for first-class industrial property. Um, the uh, cap rates continue to be uh, compressed. Uh, there's reference uh, by Renee Sirk in their earliest uh, article of today's show where he said that he's seen sub four cap rates. I mean, that's amazing. That's lower than what they were in the last cycle when it was all heated. Mm-hmm. So the, the investment market has been red hot for a while now. Uh, just a, a hunger for a steady return. Uh, and you've got a lot of money that's behind this. Um, a lot of investment companies, um, insurance companies, um, are all trying to allocate more product or more money into the industrial product. Uh, so a lot of demand, and that's driving up uh, the competition for particularly uh, trophy-type properties. But what has happened is there's way more money out there than there are those trophy properties. So the, the demand is spreading out uh, to other locations and to uh, you know properties that are maybe not the million square foot credit tenant with a 15-year lease uh, they're spreading out and looking at other uh, other property types within the industrial sector so it's a red-hot market and has been for quite a while uh, you know if you talk to somebody who is in the investment sales side of the business they just uh, can't believe this is uh, happening and they don't know how long it'll continue uh, but uh, you know it, it has clearly been the hottest part of the market Okay, so if we have some sub four cap rate buyers, uh, bring them to your properties, right? Yes, sir. We'd like to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, give give them my uh, website address and uh, <laughs> please please contact us. Okay, and where are some opportunities in the investment market? You're talking about maybe some of the secondary markets or or some of the properties that aren't aren't quite as sexy. Uh, maybe time to to look at moving some of those because the market's hot. Well, um, one of the things that we're seeing with uh, a lot of developers, and I'd say it's almost all. Uh, went through a downturn, went through a period where it was relatively new, uh, relatively little new de- investment being done. 
And during that period of time, everybody studies their portfolio and tries to figure out, okay, uh, here's what we did during the last cycle, here's what worked well, uh, here's where we are, are right now, and we'd like to reallocate our resources to another place. So one of the things that you're seeing in investment buying is uh, holders of real estate, developers of real estate are reallocating the resources and making some properties available uh, for sale, and that's an opportunity for somebody else. Uh, because what you may be getting out of, somebody else may be getting into. It's what makes the world go around. That's right. You know, you look at some of the REITs, they're always looking to improve their portfolio to be more of their core type assets. So they're going to buy some properties and sell some properties. There's always some some movement out there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what about uh, existing uh, users who own their facilities? I guess it might be a great time for them to consider a sell lease back uh, if this market is that hot, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, th- this is... If you are an owner of industrial real estate and you have any urge to sell something, this is the time to be doing it. Uh, it is a seller's market uh, as far as a leased industrial building is concerned. Yeah. Uh, so it's an opportunity for somebody to want to do that. Sales and leasebacks, um, you know, that would, that would make a lot of sense for a lot of companies if they're trying to unlock capital in order to grow their business. Yeah, give either one of us a call and we'll make it happen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what about Absolutely. a quick tip? The show's about to end. Quick tip for our listeners. Well, one of the things that you're seeing on a lot of places is that companies are moving to attract talent. Mm -hmm. It used to be that you graduated from college and then you tried to move to where the companies were. And that may have been, you know, somewhere uh, that maybe wasn't number one on your list, but it's going the other way now. So um, pay attention to the places that young people want to live. Larry, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Glad to be here. For more from Larry, uh, visit patillore.com. And thanks for joining us on the 40 stations on iTunes and on YouTube. Be sure and join us next week. The show's Associations That Matter. I'm Michael Bull. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. FIU, Florida International University. Earn your master's in real estate in as little as 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.